Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. We are officially in sports no man's land. That one three-day stretch of the year with nada, zip, Nothing except an all-star game in a sport slowly dying on the vine with fans at least, as sad as that may be. I believe it's true. That means we get to hear more from ridiculous anti-Americans like LeBron, telling everyone why the country that made him a billionaire is unlivable. Pound sand, LeBron. It means more noise from the live, coming off an epic 150th Open Championship. More on both of those in a few. But on the bright side, it means we are creeping up on college and pro football in oodles of real stuff to talk about. In fact, 39 days until week zero. For now, we've got enough to debate, so let's get to it. Ryan, the lectern is yours. Talk about that boring baseball stuff here real quick. Um, You know, we've talked about in the past contracts and sports, you know, how they make all this money to just do a sport. Well, this is... The crazy ones came out, I think, late last week. Juan Soto of the Nationals. I think he's an outfielder. Um, he's got, like, one year left in his contract, working contract or whatever. And the Nationals offered him a 15-year, $440 million deal, which would have made him the highest-paid baseball player of all time. Uh, I've never even heard of the guy. Turned it down, and he says, I just want to play. He wants more money. What is this, Bobby Bonilla Part 2? Seriously, I don't get why you're giving these guys 15, 10 to 15-year contracts when most of the time your window is four to six years long of playing well. Like, Especially for these guys you haven't heard of. He's not like he's a he, he is good. He's very good. He's, no, he's no Miggy. No. Well, I mean, they did the same thing with Cabrera, though. He's going to turn 40, and they're still paying him millions of dollars. He's still batting 300. He's the best player the Tigers no, that's have. not saying much. Oh, true. What? This is why baseball ri- sucks. It's ridiculous how these this guy these contracts. I'm not get, get paying them, but for 15 years that doesn't make any sense. It needs to stop because, well, I mean, I guess there's money everywhere. It's all people care about anyway nowadays. So, well, yeah, you know, inflation. That 450 million probably two years ago was 100 million. I mean, that's about how ridiculous things are. So. But that's why sports is broken. That's why baseball is broken. What are you paying ungodly sums of money for these guys for what? And speaking of which, that brings me to my podium, which, of course, we have to talk, as we do most weeks since it's happened, about the Live Tour. All right. Have you heard this one? Charles Barkley is in talks with the Live Tour to go be a commentator. I mean... 
I get it. Chuck is great. He plays in the match. He's funny. He's personable. I guess this is the Live Tours attempt, sport washing aside, at growing the game is appealing to everyday people. But is that a good thing? Because if you saw my one TikTok that went viral, there's courses being overrun. Tea times can't be had by too many of the grow the game that don't understand the game and are ruining golf courses like the one I live on. Uh, Charles Barkley. Come on, Chuck. You're smarter than this. You know where the money's coming from. I, I get it from a commentary standpoint. It's a splash, right? He's not a golf he's not a golf guy. He's a regular Joe. He's funny. He's entertaining. They need some product to get people to watch because eventually they're gonna need TV money. Which gets me to David Faraday going, which is a oh. big thing for them because David Faraday is brilliant as a golf commentator. He's great on the course, he's witty, he's funny. It sucks because, as Ryan and I have talked, most of the guys that have gone to the live so far, we could give two you-know-whats about. But I like David Faraday. I don't want to see him go. That's the kind of thing that gives that league some support and some legs to maybe get TV. You throw Barkley in there. I don't know. I still don't see it lasting forever unless they get some mega TV deal and can compete. The whole notion of... 54 holes, no cut, shotgun start. I mean, this is not Blythefield Country Club or Egypt Valley or Walnut Creek or you name your country club. This is not your your average muni that has games on Saturday morning. I mean, I think you saw it a little bit. Now, there were some live golfers towards the top. DJ played pretty well. But my buddy Chris aptly pointed out where you're going to really start to see it is probably next year. When these guys are used to playing 54 holes, no cut, so they're not really in competition because what are they competing for? I mean, a few more bucks, but like DJ, does he really need more? He's got $200 million to begin with. Um, you're going to see these guys not compete in the majors because either the majors are going to shut them out or they're not going to be conditioned for it. They're not going to be conditioned for the mental competition that goes on, the fact that it's 72 holes, not 54 holes, that it's not shotgun starting. I mean, there's so many things that are different, and I get different, right? It's... It's the WWE of, of golf. It's the USFL of golf. But I, I just, I, I, I'm kind of sickened to continue to see it. Now, again, I have no qualms against competition for the PGA. That's fine. They don't need to have a monopoly, and maybe it forces their hand to change some things. But this kind of clown show circus, 54-hole, no-cut, making a million dollars when you finish dead last and shoot a pair of 80s on the weekend, I mean... And taking money from people who we know enough about where that money comes from, that's questionable. I don't think it's the right thing. Now, you want to play head-to-head, 72 holes, cuts, blah, blah, blah. You want to give some appearance fees to maybe differentiate from the PGA and, and you know throw a carrot out there, throw a bone? Okay. Then we're talking a little bit more apples to apples. But until you're apples to apples, it just makes me sick to see commentators like this going because it's going to you know lessen the the real coverage of golf pga and then when you get a guy like cam smith who didn't really answer the question in his presser after his brilliant british open performance being rumored to go but of course spieth was being rumored to go and morikawa was being rumored to go let's just hope more of these guys stand up and say no because i really want it to be the tour of players i hate not guys like cam smith that i really like ay 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 all right Ryan, let's go to the tee up. This one's all yours. Yeah, so this came across um, my phone alerts, uh, I think yesterday, late afternoon. 
Um, so Deshaun Watson, we all know what's going on with him. You know, he didn't play last year. Got traded to the Browns, being investigated for sexual harassment, assault um, of 30-plus women um, in massage parlors. Um, and he apparently, in the NFL Players Association, yes, you heard that correctly, say they will sue the NFL if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the season. The NFL's what? a joke when it comes to... So you can suspend that Calvin Ridley for a whole season for gambling. For gambling, which I mean, yeah, I shouldn't do that. But and this guy sexually assaults not one woman but thirty, and he only gets a. They're going right. to say a year, and they're going to sue him. It's the he Ray Rice be, effect, right? He should it's be. The, I mean, the uh, what's out of his the name? NFL um, forever running back for the Cowboys effect. I mean, it's the it's okay to have domestic assault, domestic yep. violence. You, you're promoting that. Right. You're okay with that, NFLPA. I mean. That's just, it's disgusting. If you want to make an example of something, I get it. Like Ridley, okay, not quite Pete Rose level for those who are old enough to know Pete Rose and what happened with him, banned from baseball for life because of gambling stuff. Stupid, whatever. Year seems a little bit much. You want to make an example, cut him half the season, whatever. I get that. But like, and I, I get Watson didn't play last year, but that was more out of the fear of Houston of the unknown, not because he was suspended, right? He wasn't suspended last year, was he? No, he no. just didn't play. He just didn't play. So now you're going to say, oh, it's okay. Like, we're going to sweep it under the rug after a year. I mean, that's a very liberal thing to do, if you ask me. Um, pretty sick. I ho- You know, in Cleveland, you took a risk on him, and then you traded Baker Mayfield. I hope you're ready to have Jacoby Brissett be your guy because that's who you deserve to be your quarterback. Because I'm sorry if, if even one of these cases against Watson is true, and we're not talking one or two, We're talking, which is bad enough. We're talking dozens. Yeah, suspend the team for the year because that's idiocy on their part. That's putting yeah. winning and greed over human principles, if you ask me. All right, moving into first down for the week. Um, again, it's kind of a dead sports week, but we do have a continuation of Michigan State football previews, just as a little teaser. Starting next week, Big Fella and I are going to be breaking down from last to first. He's going to take the Big Ten West. I'm going to take the Big Ten East. Two teams a week from 7 to 1. Uh, so for the next four weeks, we'll have some Big Ten football previews. Next week is Appley Big Ten Media Days. Um, I hope the Athletic gets a beat writer from Michigan State soon because it would be nice to have some coverage coming out of there aside from just like their their staff pool or whatever. But anyway, Ryan, um, you've been doing a great job in these previews. Let's get into the LBs, the linebackers. Yep. Uh, like I said last week, uh, linebackers are a position group that I am beyond excited to see um, and just just see how it shakes out this year. Um, you know, losing, you know, guys, a few guys don't know Harvey graduated. Um, you know, he was a, a good a good backup guy, um, you know, good special teams player. Then you lose, lose careers, couch. Um, to the transfer portal, he had a decent last year. Kind of banged up at the end of the year. You know, he, he upgraded the position. You know, over he the did. Year he before. filled the hole that was needed, and you know, and Michigan State upgraded even more. Um, you know, in my opinion, um, big time. Um, you see guys like Gaiote. He was going to enter the portal, didn't end up doing it. Um, came back to school and just builds this linebacking core um, that I think is probably one of the best in the Big Ten, if not the best. Um, Unbelievable. I mean, you start with Cal Halliday, Boogeyman, Rick, Rick No Flair, um, 
the man, the myth. Underrated, a good, good example of a, that you don't have to get all four and five stars because you get some diamonds nope. in the rough like him. Two pick sixes last year, led was top in the top three on the team in tackles. Um, this guy's a stud, man. He's he's knows the defense really well. He's only going to be a redshirt sophomore, he was a freshman All American last year. Um, you know, I think he'll he'll. I'll talk about the other two guys. It's better think, Joe Bocci is what yeah, I see. Yeah, I mean, a three, three, him and two other guys. I think will play a lot of downs um, at linebacker. I'm excited to see that. Um, you know, and, and see how that shakes out. But yeah, he's, I think he's going to be really, really good um, and have an, another really good season for Michigan State um, this upcoming fall. Um, then the two guys um, I have I have Halliday slot one starting linebacker. Then two guys kind of sharing it. But I think you know. Any of these three guys could start at, at both linebackers. And I'll start with Jacoby Winmon, um, transfer over from UNLV. I think last year he was like top 10 in the NCAA in tackles. I think he had 119. He had like 10, 10 and a half for loss. Um, this is a guy that can, he can get, you know, be a stand up edge rusher. He can drop back into coverage and, and you know, face some receivers. Um, tight ends match up really well. He's got pretty good size. Obviously, he's got that speed going for him. I'm super excited to see this guy. Um, and what he can do for Michigan State. Um, he's 6'2", 230 um, out of New Orleans. He's pretty good size there. Um, really, really, really excited to see him. Wow. It's going to be cool to see what they what they come up with, stunting him on the edge, stuff like that. And then the other guy, um, transfer from Mississippi State. He got a first-round grade, or second-round grade, I'm sorry, um, two years ago after COVID season. Um, and then he didn't have – as good of a season as anticipated at Mississippi State, and that's uh, Aaron Brulee's going to be number seven. Um, really, really good linebacker. Also a thumper from um, Louisiana. Um, can drop back in the coverage, rush the quarterback, diagnose defense, really good against the run. Um, plays up to that second-round grade. Oh, boy. That's uh, going to be a, a really, really good player for Michigan State in the middle there and definitely an upgrade. Another bump up from Quavo Crouch there. Um, then, then the backups. I think Michigan State has a lot, a lot, lots and lots and lots of um, you know depth at this position. Darius Snow, a guy that's played nickel um, last year, also played a little safety. He's going to play a little linebacker. Probably see him all over the board on defense, kind of use him as a Swiss Army knife. But he can play a little linebacker. Um, you know, he's got he's got that good size. Obviously, his his uncle is one of the all time best linebackers at Michigan State. Percy Snow. Um, and yeah, he's a he's a really good surefire tackler. Um, he can obviously cover guys, so he could be, obviously be a, a use there, and also at nickel and safety if need be. Um, then you have a guy Ben Van Summerman who had also entered the transfer portal. Um, I think before the last game last year, then he ends mm-hmm. up coming back. Um, he's also six three, two forty, big guy, good special teams player. You'll probably see some snaps out there. Um, then you got Mayo Gayote. I still don't know how to pronounce his name. He was a four-star recruit, highest rated um, in the class of 20, I think that was 2020, yeah, from Michigan State. Um, excited, or 2021, I'm sorry, to see him uh, keep getting better and stuff like that as a redshirt freshman. Definitely going to be a key guy um, you know, on special teams and stuff like that. Um, so see how he progresses. Then you got Carson Castile. He was a, a freshman last year, redshirted. I believe he's out of Pennsylvania. Um, could be you know the next uh, next version of my main man Cal Halliday. Um, yeah, I know I'm sorry he's out of Alabama. Um, pretty good size too, six two for for a linebacker. Expect him to probably get some special teams. And you got um, Quavion Carter. He's a, a he'll be a freshman this year. 
pretty big guy, 6'3", 6'4", linebacker, played safety in high school. Um, expect him to register, but maybe get some some plays in there, you know, mop-up duty, and hopefully some blowouts early um, for Michigan State. But linebacking core is super solid heading into this season, um, and I am very, very excited to see um, see them play and uh, hopefully live up to the billing that I just gave them. This, and this is, excuse me, how you get better is you have really good depth. Not just depth, not just guys that can potentially play, but guys who were highly recruited and can play like, you know, Gaiote is a good example. He was a four-star. He was a huge recruit in the 2021 class, and he almost left um, presumably because he saw, well, I'm going to have to compete for it, and then his, you know, cooler heads prevailed, and he came back, and he's like, I'll fight for it. That's how the Ohio States and the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Oklahomas and the Clemsons have been so good for so long because they've got second and even third string guys that are like that, that are willing to you know, put a dog in the fight to get better. And then all of a sudden when you're, you know, Michigan State plays a four-two-five, so they're playing two linebackers most of the time. But, um, you know, when all of a sudden you're one of six guys, but you're playing a pretty equal amount, maybe almost starter minutes, that's how your team gets really good. Then somebody gets hurt and it's next man up. Um, I think that this is, you know, it's definitely an area that's steadily improved under Tucker. You know, Simmons is a really good leader and a good linebacker, maybe a little undersized for what they put him into. He did the best he could to hold, hold things together in, in the COVID season. Last year was uh, an improvement with Crouch and Halliday kind of came out of nowhere. Um, this year you got some proven guys from elsewhere, and not just small schools. I mean, yeah, uh, one guy from whatever, UNLV, but still, um, they play big-time schools, so it's not like he's just be- beating up on the Sisters of the Poor all the time, so... I think Michigan State could have one of their better linebacking cores in a while. I haven't looked at, you know, kind of top to bottom. Probably Ryan and I have watching a lot of highlights lately because there's not as much on TV. Um, and we watched some – last night, I think it was, we watched the uh, Big Ten Championship game from 2013 with that linebacking core with Danico Salen and Max Bola. Um, and I'm missing some other guys too. But that I mean, like, that was – that group of, like, from 2013 to 2014, 2015 was – really, really solid, and then it's been okay uh, by Michigan State seniors, but not great, and Michigan State's had a lot of great linebackers, um, so I'm excited to see what happens there, and then next week, Ryan, we got the DBs, the DBs. and then uh, and we're going to start our Big Ten previews, and yeah, we're off. I mean, it's going to be August before we know it, not to wish summer away, because it's been absolutely lock, stock, and barrel gorgeous here in Michigan this summer, um, but got the Got the buddies all booked for the Akron game. We're, we've got confirmations on hotel, land shark, look out. We're going to come in there and put down some shark bowls. Um, Ryan's going to get to see what a bunch of 49, close to 50-year-olds did when they were 21, so it could get really ugly right away. But, no, it's going to be a good time. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to football season. Sending UB uh, a new Blackstone idea for tailgate almost every single day that I see him on TikTok. I mean, we've got we probably have enough food things to carry us through the next three seasons. So if you're ever in EL, make sure you stop by the best GAM tailgate in the land at ramp yep. seven, uh, right there on the corner. When you drive in, you can't miss us and uh, you're more than welcome to join us. So more MSU football next week. All right, moving to second down, um, going back to our bracket. We took a week off a of bracket last week <clears throat> in honor of Cam Smith's, I wouldn't say epic, but very good comeback win. Um, we're going to go with a bracket of the best clutch comebacks in sports history. Okay, I like it. 
So I try to put some variety in here. A lot of these you should be aware of. Ryan, some um, are from before your time, but you probably have seen highlights of or whatever. So I think we got enough to go by here. So in the first bracket, I didn't name them this time. I didn't break them into sports or anything like that. I got it pretty spread around. Some of these were pretty unanimous when you Google like top comebacks. There's you know, a lot of top 10, top 15. Some of these are in here. I will admit there's some things like sailing I did not, <laughs> I did not put in our list, but uh, I think there's some good ones in here nonetheless. Number one seed in this region, USA over Russia in the 1980 Olympics after getting their asses whipped 10 to 3 in an exhibition game against them like 10 days before that. Mm -hmm. And they're facing off against number four seed of fellow hockey, the 2010 Philadelphia Flyers who were down 0-3 to the Montreal Canadiens, the Habs, and and became in that year only the third team to overcome a three-game deficit in the playoffs. USA versus the Russians. USA, USA. Got to be USA, USA. I don't really recall the Philly thing, but uh, regardless, that's still great to come back from 03. I, I don't think it's happened very much. In, it's only happened, I think, one other time in baseball. I don't even know if it's happened in the NBA, to be honest. 3-1, yes, but not 03. All right, that the winner of that, which we both had as USA uh, hockey, facing number two seed, or the winner of number two seed, Game one Eastern Conference Finals 1995. Pacers Knicks, Reggie. He scored eight points in 11 seconds. He scored eight points in 11 seconds to beat the Knicks in that epic game one. Crazy. Taunting Spike Lee and everything. Against number three seed UVA, who one year loses to a 16 seed to become the laughing stock and the first and the only and probably maybe ever only one seed to lose to a 16, promptly turns around and wins the Natty the next year. UVA. UVA, that's a good one. I got to go. I remember that Pacers. I mean, eight points in 11 seconds. That's like something Steph Curry would do in the pressure in the garden. You know, that was the Ewing days with the Knicks. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Reggie and, and the Pacers in that. And then you've got USA over UVA, Ryan, or which one? USA. USA. And I'm going to go uh, USA as well. I mean, total amateur team against a boatload of pros for the Russians who hadn't lost and whoever knows how many games since like 1960 insanity. That they We both have them advancing to the Final Four. Next bracket. <clears throat> Number one seed. Patriots over the Falcons in Super Bowl 51. Down 28-3 to three in the game. third quarter. Against number four seed, the 2007 Fiesta Bowl. Boise Boise blew a big lead. I think they blew like a 22 or a 25-point lead against Oklahoma. But they came back late with three clutch trick plays to win that game. They had to have every one of them to win that game. That's the number four seed. Oh, I I like that one. Let's do that one. So you're going to go with that one? All right, a little upset there. Um, I hate the Patriots. I'm tired of them winning the Super Bowl. But you got to admit, down 28-3 in the Super Bowl, pretty big comeback. I'm going to stick with a one seed there. Number two seed in this region, 2005, fighting a lion. Down 15 with four seconds or with four minutes left. Not with four seconds left. That would be a real amazing. Oh, against Arizona, Arizona, right? Yeah, against Arizona, they come back and, and beat them and make it to the final four and, event, and eventually lost in the finals against North Carolina. Facing number three seed, the 2016 Cubs, down 3-1 to the Indians and down in Game Seven. Came back and went on the road to break the Cubbies. Billy Goat curse. Cubbies, yep. I would agree with that. Got to go Cubbies. That was pretty epic, especially because I was at the Bartman game. All right, so Ryan, you got Fiesta Bowl against the Cubbies. Uh, Cubbies. 
And I got Cubbies against the Patriots. I got to go Cubbies too because screw the Patriots. All right, next seed. Number one seed, 1993 Buffalo Bills down 35-3 to early in the third quarter. Frank Reich had just thrown a pick six after they were down 28-3 at the half. And in Buffalo to go down 35-3 to to the Houston Oilers. If you're not old enough to remember, that's the team that eventually moved to become the Tennessee Titans, who we'll talk about in a minute. But um, down 35-3, to came back and won, I believe, in overtime, 41-38 to in that game. Facing, speaking of the Titans... The 1999 Titans down one to the Bills, ironically, with 16 seconds to go. Bill, or the Bills had just scored to go ahead. Um, complete a throwback on the miracle. kickoff, Music City yeah, Music miracle, City and take it to the house to beat the Bills and eventually make it to yeah. the Super Bowl where they were finished one yard short against the Fighting Kirk. I Warners. like that one. So Bills or Music City Miracle? Music City, Music City Miracle. Miracle. You got, and I'm going to go with the Bills just because I mean 35 to three. That is ridiculous. Talk about a rally in the second half. And speaking of which, number two seed in this bracket, Michigan State holds the NCAA record for a comeback. They were down 38-3 to with 10 minutes to go in the second half against Northwestern in 2006. I remember Ryan at a soccer game. His coach was Brian Goins, who played for the Rose Bowl Northwestern team. We had a bet. I showed up at the game. There was no chance, and lo and behold, Michigan State comes back and wins 41-38. to Still the largest comeback in NCAA history. Facing their brethren against the same opponent, Michigan State, with the third largest NCAA regular season comeback, 27-point comeback with 24 minutes to go to beat Northwestern in 2018 in basketball. Ooh, that's tough. I'll go the, Cash fo- the, was the football. That. We were at, I was at the Hope game. Ryan was playing, yep. and I was watching, I couldn't believe it. So you're going with the football? Yeah. I'm going to go with football as well. So you got Music City Miracle against Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State. I like it. And I've got uh, Bills against Michigan State, two of the, arguably the biggest comebacks ever, but I'm going to go with Michigan State because it was, it was three points more. Down 35, not 32. All right, moving to the next bracket. Number one seed, the 2004 Red Sox, down 3 nothing in the series to the hated Yankees. And, oh, by the way, coming off the Aaron Boone heartbreaker, I, I think it was a walk-off home run in maybe Game 7 the year before against the Yankees that where the Red Sox blew a pretty good sizable lead. They come back from 3-0 down, they win the series, and I think then they broke the they broke a curse as well. So they're the number one seed. Against number four seed, Ryan, this would be before your time, but you probably didn't know this guy was who won it, but Paul Lowry, who was down 10 shots going into the fourth round of the famous, infamous John Vandeveld Open. Vandeveld definitely helped with the triple bogey in the last hole, but he was down 10 shots, and he won that in a playoff. Yeah, we'll do that one. You're going to go with Lowry? All right, and I'm going to go with the Red Sox. I remember that. That was pretty epic. Number two seed, 2016 NCAA Tournament, Texas A&M scores 12 points in 34 seconds to get to overtime and beat Northern Iowa, who had beat Texas, I think it was, the game before on a buzzer beater, against number three, uh, Tiger Woods, come back to win the 2019 Masters. Tiger Woods. All right, so you got number three. I got to go Tiger Woods, too, just because everything he was dealing with with his back. And you got Lowry versus Woods, so you got so a tiger, golf bracket. Tiger. And I've got um, Woods versus the Red Sox. I got to go Red Sox just because of what was at stake. Tiger had already won a 14 majors at that point in time. It was huge, don't get me wrong. But um, Red Sox down 3 0. Still the only team, I believe, to have come back from a 3 0 deficit and win a series in the playoffs. Um, 
All right, so now we're going back to you. You and I both had USA um, facing the Cubs. Ooh, let's go USA, patriotic. And I will also go with USA, USA. And then we both also had Michigan State overcoming a thirty-eight to three deficit. You have them facing Tiger Woods. Um, Tiger Woods. And I have Michigan State facing the Red Sox. Boy. Considering John L. Smith saved his job that week and then promptly went and got his ass handed to him by a sucky Indiana team the next week and lost his job and got fired, I I, I, I got to say that while it was epic and it might not be topped, um, you, you still, Red Sox was in the playoffs more on the line um, than somebody's job, so I'm going Red Sox. So you've got USA, Tiger Woods. USA. And I've got USA Red Sox. I'm going to go USA as well. How can you not be patriotic? So there you got it. USA, USA wins. Maybe uh, when we're done with brackets here in a couple weeks, uh, I'll bring back all of our past champions and put them in their own like hodgepodge oh, yeah, bracket. That'd be, cool. that'd be kind of a fun thing. I've been tr- trying to keep track. So, All right, moving on to third down. Mount Rushmore this week. Best college defensive players. Could be now, could be all time. It's your choice. We'll each take our turns and and picking who we want here. All right. You want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Well, we'll start with uh, one of the most badass players ever play in college football, the Boz. Yeah, Brian Bosworth. He's a good one. I'm looking. I've got a, a list up here so I can kind of keep my name straight. Um, I think he's rated number four in this. Yeah, number four in this particular list Unreal. that I'm looking at. So you got the Boz. I'm going to go with, I guess I'll go back to back with my next two. I'm going to go two old school, Big Ten guys, 60s guys um, that were, one was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. The other one was very highly rated. One had a longer career. One was a little bit more cut short because of injury when it came to NFL. Both um, amazing linebackers. Uh, well, Bubba was a D end, I guess, but both amazing defenders. I'm going to go Dick Butkus and Bubba Smith. Nice. I like it. Mm, this is tough. Uh, I'll go Nadamakan Sue. That was a good one. One of the best. Uh, I think it was he second or third in Heisman. He was up there. Yeah, he was up there. Um, and this one's kind of tough. I'm looking. You probably have the same list as I do. Um, should we go? We'll go Deion Sanders. Deion, Deion. He was a good one. Definitely a good one. Um, all right, so that was your second and third picks, and I get to go the next two again. I'm going to go with Ronnie Lott, who ended up being an absolute banger in the NFL too, but a stud at USC. Um, I mean, he just was uh, – he, he started as a tailback. But, I mean, he's one of still to this day one of the hardest-hitting safeties in all of football. So i got to go with him. Man, it's boy. There's a lot of great players. There's especially a lot of great defensive ends. Boy, I'm gonna go with a, with another great uh, defensive back though. I'm gonna go on this list is rated number two, Champ Bailey from Georgia. He was a corner, he was a receiver, and he was a kick returner. So he kind of he was jack of all trade, but he was an absolute stud. Didn't pick off very many passes because nobody threw it his way, but man, he was one of the best and he was a great pro as well yeah we, we forgot to mention what they used to chant when Bubba, for Bubba Smith kill Bubba kill kill Bubba kill 
My boy Chris, his dad used to drive Bubba and George around uh, at school. He was a football manager on that 65-66, those teams at Michigan State. All right, who's your last uh, This pick? one's tough. Um, let's see, I'm still um, – I mean, you got to go with a guy like Ray Lewis, the murderer himself. <laughs> There's so many other guys. Ed Reed is another great guy I mean, from I mean, Miami. Hate him, hate him, Michigan guy, but Charles Woodson, I mean, one of the mm-hmm. better. LeVar Arrington. Jadavian Clowney. Clowney. Peppers. Steve Entman from Little Giants. You David never Pollock, that. Bruce Smith. Dwight Freeney. Yep. I mean, there's a lot. Like, Spielman. you look at the top 50, Mean Joe Green. There are some – Ed Tuttle-Jones. I mean, those are some older guys, too, that Ryan wouldn't necessarily know about. Laronitis um, from yep. Ohio State. Beast. Um, Von Miller, another really good one. Bronco Nagurski, if neither of us ever saw him play. He was, like, before there was electricity, I think. Um, Julius Peppers, Ooh, David Pollock on good. ESPN. Um, Neon Dion. Warren Sapp. Mike Singletary. Another stud, Bruce Smith, um, Chris Spielman. How could we forget him? President, yeah. special assistant of the Lions. You know that uh, that uh, my man Lawrence Taylor, Sean Taylor, R.I.P. Yep. Miami, another Miami guy. I mean Reggie White. Jeez, this list is just littered with Roy Williams, not the running back or the receiver, but Rod Woodson, another great one. A lot of Big Ten guys on this list. I mean, so many good defenders over the year. We talked about making it like a Big Ten linebackers thing we could have done a michigan state linebackers but we thought we'd go a little bit broader college um debatable whether we'll put the big 10 previews in second down or third down next week but either maybe we'll rotate between a bracket and the mount rushmore because those are kind of fun until we have you know plenty of other fodder to talk about on a on a regular basis so that gets us through third down moving along this week pretty fast i told you it's the the deadest week in sports moving to golf so, as we usually do here, we'll do. I got a couple questions uh, to throw out Ryan for us to kind of ponder. Um, contest update. I don't know if you looked at this week at all, Ryan. I did just glance, and I have two guys to throw out there. I, I did, yeah. Um, and then, you know, let's spend most of our time yeah. on an open recap. But um, questions of the week, we'll do a couple. All right. So, <laughs> this is mostly in honor of Victor Havland. Letting arguably his best club, the driver, stay in the bag in a lot of key situations on Sunday. Maybe he wasn't feeling it, whatever the case may be, but um, a lot of opportunities for a big hitter like that, and, he, and he, he did not let the big dog eat. So you're in the open, Ryan. You're in Victor's shoes, or you're in a contender's shoes, let's just say. Yep. Um, are you letting the big dog, a.k.a. the driver, eat on all those short-to-drivable par fours, or are you going the conservative route? I mean... If it's your best club, you ride it. You play to win the game, right? Like, yep. There's lots of trouble, right? And we saw Cam Smith got into some trouble with his driver on Saturday because he got in trouble, right? And I get it, but, like, especially if you're pursuing – I mean, there's holes, obviously, you're going to hit a driving iron. I get it. But, like, on those, there are arguably, what, probably three drivable par fours. And definitely you could get home on both par fives and, and two – um, I felt like a couple guys didn't do enough of that because they were playing a little bit too conservative. I would let the big dog eat. I mean, I, if you're like in a five-shot lead, okay, that's a different story maybe. But, hey, Rory had a lead, built up a lead early, and, and I thought maybe he – I mean, he was very good, although his putter went cold, but was 
I kind of conservative. He didn't really attack pins and stuff, so I don't know. It's it's easy to say from this seat to to say you'd let the big dog eat and you'd go go for it, but that's one thing why I think Cam Smith won. Like he could shake off the bad stuff, um, and he would just attack, 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 and I think that's how you ultimately win. So I would let the big dog eat as well. Um, another question for you. So we've kind of probably touched on this in some way, shape, or form in the past, but let's just say regardless of your status as an amateur or whatever as you are as a golfer mid handicapper it doesn't really matter you get invited as your make a wish not because you're dying but just for your sports you get one wish and it's a golf wish you get invited to to play and try to qualify like everybody else not likely that it would happen but in one of the four majors which one are you doing so here let's say it this way because the u.s open obviously the british and the pga rotate Let's just say, obviously, I'd the Masters in the same place. Let's say the U.S. Open is at, we'll say, Shinnecock. We'll say that the British is at St. Andrews and the PGA is, I don't know, PGA doesn't matter as much to me. So I'd probably want to try to qualify at Augusta. You'd go Augusta. It's hard to it's hard to pass up on that because you can go play St. Andrews. Just, I read a story about all the pool of reporters went out as soon as the Open was over. And their job was done. They played 18 on the same course that they just finished that Sunday. It played until it was like pitch black. Um, so we could do that someday. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't play Shinnecock because we don't know anybody that's a member there. But you could play like Pebble Beach. You could play Pinehurst. So True. it's in, you know, a lot of the even PGA courses you could play. I would, I would agree. I got to go Augusta too. It's tough though. I think, I think there's something unique and special about the Open. Um, I'm probably most still partial to the U.S. Open, but you can't help but just have a romance with the British Open. Birthplace of golf this year at St. Andrews, 150th. The crowds don't scream stupid stuff like mashed potato and whatever. Like they're they're not raucous, but they're they're loud, but they're yeah. smart, right? Like. Americans could take a page out of their book for being a fan. Now, you flip it on their, your ear, those same fans in football slash soccer are animals, and they're crazy, just like maybe some of our football fans and golf fans are here or whatever. But when it comes to golf, very gentlemanly. Um, there's still something about that. St. Andrews, boy, would be a, a close second, and that might be a course that I might actually have a chance on. I don't know. I don't know. It seems like I don't know what I would shoot there. I'd probably shoot 100, but... Um, I feel like I'd probably shoot 115 in Augusta, especially yeah. if you're talking about playing the tips. All right, contest update. How did we do last week, Ryan, and who do you have this week for the 3M? Uh, last week, um, my foursome ended up 73rd combined. All my guys made the cut, and your guys ended 140 combined. Three out of the four made the cut. Um, Power did not because he bogeyed the last hole, I think. Right? Yeah, something like that. He was kind of he held there. back. Spieth played decent. Fitzpatrick played decent. Those were my kind of money Rory, guys. I'm kicking myself. Short again. I listened back to the pod last week, and, and I didn't mention Cam as a guy, but I definitely I picked Cam and liked Cam all year because of his putter especially. Um, 20 bucks off him earlier this year. Yeah, so I I mean, you can't. It was it was a great open regardless, so we'll get into that in here in a minute. But who do you have for this week uh, for the three? It's kind of a week field I would say but yeah, based on the favorites it is Gala who's played fantastic um this season then Dylan Fratelli I don't know why 
Literally. Did you use that? I have the same exact two guys. That is hilarious. Maybe we should bet on them. Because I agree, kind of like, Fratelli's, I think, he's plus 5,500. He just seems like a guy that could win a tournament like that. He's pretty steady. And Thigala's, he was right there. He he really blew it. Couldn't do rookie of the year. Blew it in Hartford. Blew it in Hartford. He kind of blew it in... And Phoenix or Scottsdale, yeah, blew it in Scottsdale. Had kind of an unlucky bounce. Um, I think he played okay this weekend. Yeah, he right? was. I think he had, he was eight under after. And he was an alternate, right? Like he was the last guy in because Berger, I think it was, right? Withdrew, yeah. Berger had to withdraw in the last minute, so he ended up squeezing in. And I think he did pretty decent. So, um, yeah, it is not a typically as typically it's not. It's not a five golf tournaments or six left, including this weekend. Include, is that including the playoff? 3M, Rocket Mortgage, <clears throat> Wyndham, FedEx, St. Jude, BMW Tour. Wow. Crazy. But that means then it's football season. So yep. PGA was smart to do that, and then they get into the kind of like restart their season. And President's Cup is in President's Cup is in September, and then they kind of restart their season in October, and not all the big names play. And then it kind of, you know, for fans like us, it feels like it's something to watch, but there's football going on, and they don't try to really compete against it. And then it goes, you know, when it goes to Maui, then it kind of gets real again. Um, you know, the Century Champions Classic, all the winners from from this year. So uh, hard to believe we're already there. We're done with four majors. It's still kind of weird getting used to the fact that there's no PGA Championship in August like there always used to be. Um, you know, the Open was always number th- three in the rotation of the majors, and now yeah. it's number, f- number four. But fitting, ending of the 150th. Um, and let's just get right into the open. I mean, I personally, you know, listening back again to the podcast, Ryan and I both said that we thought Tiger looked good, that he, he could make the cut. Oof. Man, his – I know he's not limping as much. He's, uh, he's – But I watched his – I said rough. it last week on the podcast. I watched his swing enough to know that that is not Tiger Woods. I mean, and it's not that he's old, right? He's – whatever, he's 46. He's not that old. I mean, he's Phil won a major at 50 uh, or however old he was. Um like it's not an age thing with Tiger. It's, it's his leg is it's mangled. his leg. I mean, he it's hanging by a thread. And if there was a course that suited him to actually maybe play well in weather, this is it. But I read a great article, and he's just like, you guys have just no idea what it takes for me to prepare to play around a golf. I mean, the hours of preparation. Never mind the practice, but the actual hours of warming up his leg and the preparation of getting it ready to withhold 18 holes of golf times two or four days um i i was working from home friday so i had it on the you know on the big screen in my office um you know watching him walk up 18 i kept thinking he might pause at the bridge but like bq said on the athletic he's never been very good at goodbyes is that not his last open i'll tell you that much but is it his last one in St. Andrews? It's a decent chance. I mean, he could come back and, you know, play kind of like a ceremonial, I'm not going to make the cut, but I'm going to make it my official last, kind of like Jack did and some other guys before him. That's not really Tiger's style, but I, I don't see him staying away if the, if it comes back in five years or so, um, you know, and he's in his early 50s. Maybe by then he'll be a little bit healthier. I, I don't know. Um, but I even got a little bit emotional as, you know, he crossed that bridge like there was nothing, and then you just hit him. Like the respect from his playing partners, he was playing with Fitzpatrick and I can't remember who else he was playing with. Rory tipped his cap as he was walking down number one. That seems to be what kind of got him. TV doesn't do the applause justice. They just said it was steady. It was loud. Um, you know, so appreciative of what he's done for the game. It, it was. It's tough to watch somebody that great 
play that poorly and really got off to just a bad break, you know, like on the first hole, I think it was, of the tournament. Yeah. And he just never recovered. Um, You know, he wasn't going to win it. And here's the thing. (laughs) I can see Tiger still playing in majors for the next, you know, handful of years for sure. But he's a competitive guy. And at what point is he going to say, I can't win this, I'm not going to do this? And the thing is, is he would say, as I would attest, guys – you know, eventually the live tour guys who only play 54 holes in a tournament are going to get to the point where 72 holes in competition is going to kill them because they're not used to it. And that's kind of in a not, Tiger's not going to live, but in a kind of same way, Tiger not playing, at least with some regularity, like two weeks leading in. Like, I mean, I know he went and played in a pro-am there or whatever, but it wasn't in competitive golf. Like, so it's hard to kind of get those competitive juices going. It's just, it's a different mindset. I hope this wasn't his last one at St. Andrews. I hope he gives it a proper goodbye. Golf fans will want to see it. But um, that's one thing that definitely stood out to me is it, it was sad to see after how well he did to make the cut at the Masters. His body looked better than at the Masters or the PGA, but it was it was tough to watch him finish yeah, like that. Yeah, it's just yeah, sad. But you know what? He's one of the greatest, so we'll give him a pass. Yeah, definitely. So a couple other things that stood out to me, I mean – like, tip of the cap to Cam. <laughs> the guy shot. It's not like Rory played poorly, right? He shot a 70. He's 200 points. You know, he's steady. I mean, he can you know, make opportunities. But. He, I think he hit every green both Saturday and everything. Sunday, but he two-putted everything. Um, and Cam Smith was a little colder with his putter on Saturday and then got back to those hot ways on Sunday as he was on Friday. He chased him down, and he just shot a stone-cold 30 on the back, including what might go down as one of the more underrated clutch plays on number 17. He hit a good drive on the road hole, and then he just, he said he kind of like had a somewhat of an awkward spot where he knew he needed to draw it in, and he caught it a little bit heavy. He's fortunate he didn't go in the road hole bunker, um, but he had very little because it was, the pin was just over the top of it. A chip is dangerous. Um, that green is super undulated, and so he got out his putter, which you can do there, and just hit a brilliant play to like 12 feet, which is what he was trying to do. And he was just money from 12 he's, feet. I mean, he's just—he's the best putter in the world. Uh, he's and he, and he's a he's a dude's dude, right? Like he fishes, he likes cars, he's got a girlfriend, and he's got lots of friends and stuff. But he didn't have any family there, so that that was kind of a you know felt different. But like he's talking about how many beers fit in a clear jug. Right away. Awesome. Like, he's just a dude's dude, and I hope to God he does not go to the live tour because those are the kind of good guys that the PGA needs to keep. They lose guys like that who are very fan favorite compared to, like, a, a Dustin or a Bryson or a, a Brooks. That's when they're going to start to get in trouble. But, yep. um, you know, Rory, you can't say that Rory choked. Hovland choked. Hovland kind of did. But, again, he didn't, he didn't hit the driver on Sunday. And maybe he wasn't feeling it, and he felt like he... But, I mean, at that point in time, I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to ask a professional golfer, especially, like, what's your mindset? If you don't have your game, do you just start going for it, and who cares if you finish 15th or 2nd? I mean, I get it's a lot of money, but if you feel like you don't have it and your only chance is to just take chances, i got to think you take chances. Cause yeah, you'd think so. He, I mean, I... I picked him the week before in the Scottish, and he didn't even make the cut. Like, he's, he had not been striking the ball very well. Um, 
And so it was kind of disappointing because he played really well on Saturday, and he just he just flat out struggled on Sunday. Got to talk about Cam Young, Cam Young star. Yeah. Yeah, what he's top five in all of the majors this year, or something like no, that. Top he, eight, maybe. He only play, I don't think he played the Masters, um, but he was. I mean, top three in the PGA, and then obviously second, second this year. Yeah, yeah, I can drive the drive the absolute snot out of the golf ball. His, his short game's going to get better, but he's going to win college with Will's Altor. He's going right? to be a guy that's gonna, probably going to win um, a lot. He's and he's got an interesting swing. Kind of got the Hideki pause at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a cool guy. I actually met him. There's a guy with Zagala that could be rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, he's going to make a fight for really, it. really good young guys, which is great for the game. Um, yeah, had not, uh, never had played in the open. And his dad was his second. coach all his life growing up, so that's cool as well. Justin Thomas. Like JT, stuff. yeah. Um, and had the tough task of, not the tough task, tough choice of he let go of his caddy going over to um, England or Scotland, sorry, uh, who was his best friend. He'd been caddying for him since really basically college, caddied on the Corn Fury Tour, was his best man in his wedding, and he had to kind of have that look. I can't, as a PGA rookie, I can't keep going to courses, and neither of us have been here before. He's like, I need somebody experienced. I assume that the guy probably took it hard, but at the same time was like, look, I get it. You know, you got to do what's best for you. I, I hope. I, I mean, I hope the guy was smart enough to do that because. Cam Young seems like a good. He's a good guy. Dude. Pretty unflappable, um, very stoic. But yeah, I mean that eagle he had on eighteen to, yeah, to clinch second place. Um, yeah, and he's he's got game and he's going to be a name. And that's you know the PGA doesn't want to lose guys like that. I've not heard anything like him going to the Live Tour. But those are the guys that Cam Smith twenty eight. Which by the way, I think this is the first year that all four major winners were less than thirty years old. Pretty damn impressive. In history. And like the last six, I think now, are all in their 20s. Three first-timers as well. Three first-timers. Um, so many firsts. Like, I I copied a couple of uh, notes. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other stats. There were, I mean, there were so many unbelievable stats from this weekend. Um, yeah, like s- some notes to know on Cam Smith. One of the most remarkable um, final rounds in recent major history. Um he, you know, he had a 90, which is the lowest by any Open champion in history on the last nine holes. His minus 20 set the record for lowest score uh, in the history of men's major championships, let alone the Open. Um, just the second player to win the Open and also the Players' Championship. And, oh, pretty good company, Jack, 1978. Um he gained almost 12 strokes on the field putting this week. Is that crazy? 11.96. Um, he just, he's won a lot this year. He's solid. He's got a mullet. It's like John Daly Jr. Maybe he won't have quite the beer gut. Although I saw a picture today, he did use a pretty good beer gut. You know, he's not that old, but um, just unbelievable. This was the first time that the Open has had back-to-back winners under the age of 30 since Tiger Woods and David Duvall with, with, um, in 2002-2001 with Morikawa winning last year and and Smith this year. Um, You know, there's just so many different, you know, Italian um, amateur was the silver medalist for low amateur, which is pretty good. 20 golfers finished the week double digits under par. 
Um, we thought it was going to be a low-scoring weekend, and it was, but it still was great golf. Like, I did not leave the couch on Sunday. I watched it. I, I, it doesn't matter to me that the scores were higher because guys were attacking, and there were guys making great shots. And, you know, it wasn't as windy as I think that they thought it might be. They got a couple spits of rain here and there that softened the course at times. Um, yeah, just a pretty unbelievable weekend of golf. Hats off to Rory, though. I mean, he's hard not to root for. Obviously, everybody there was rooting for him. It's not like they hated the fact that Cam Smith won, but you could kind of even see, like, not everybody stuck around for the trophy ceremony and whatever. It was kind of like an air out of the balloon type of moment. But I watched Rory's press conference. He was so gracious, you know, all class. Um, Not a negative thing to say. Not hard on himself. He's like, look, I'll have other chances. He's only 33 years old or so. I think because he hasn't won since 2014, he was so young and he won his first four. He's been so close. I mean, he's got yeah, something like he's been very close. I, it's double digits, high double digit, like teens maybe or higher, top ten finishes in majors since he last won. So it's not like he's not in contention. It's not like he's kind of got the yips or whatever. Um, he's yeah. going to be back, and you know he's definitely on the side of the PGA. Spieth is, JT is. So you know those are going to be your cornerstone guys that are really going to feed the PGA. And then guys like Cam Young, as long as they stick around. Um, I mean, I, I don't think the the PGA has to sweat too much from that standpoint, but at the same time, you don't want to lose too many of your, your good guys and, and water it down so much either. So, yeah. any other thoughts on... Nope. Sad the majors are over. Yeah, they're always fun to watch for sure. All right, moving on to the sprint, Ryan. At what point will you watch the live? Never. I won't. You have to pay for it anyways. Yeah, I'm the same boat. Even if more of these guys go, I, I just have no interest. It's like I said, it's kinda of like the circus. It's a you know, bearded lady barking at the the barking for the yak lady, yak woman or whatever cousin Eddie's son was doing. Um Sprint two, should pro sports have all star games? Yeah, I think so. I like it. I mean it's a nice little break. I say no. I mean baseball okay because baseball is still pretty you know, pretty true to what it has always been. The NFL's sucks. The NBA's the way they do it now with drafting players sucks. The old school way was okay. Um, NHL, they don't do it the same way anymore. The only one that matters really is baseball. That's the only one that's worth watching. The rest of them could go away as far as I'm concerned. Breaking news from the um, Los Angeles County District Attorney Office, uh, Miles Bridges faces one felony count of injuring a child's parent and two felony counts of child abuse under circumstances or conditions likely to cause great bodily injury or death. Child abuse? So, oh my gosh. That would be rots. Oh, that's awful. That's not good breaking news. Let's have better better MSU news for Sprint 3. Favorite Michigan State linebacker of all time? Greg Jones. Greg Jones. Man, there's so many good ones. The Bullas, Bocce. Fuck Bocce, he sucked. <laughs> no, he was good at Michigan State, though. PD. Yeah, whatever, but he was still good. Danico, oh, one of Allen was yeah. great. Ike Reese, he was, that was before your time, but he was a stud. Eric Smith. Yeah, he was more of a safety. safety. Yeah, he was right. kind of like Caleb Thornhill. Caleb Thornhill, yeah. There were some thumpers that played linebacker. You know, TJ played linebacker. TJ Duckett played linebacker to start with. I didn't know that. Um I gotta go with. Uh, it's hard to argue with Percy Snow. He was such a stud, well before your time, but in the '80s, I mean, he just tackled everything that was in front of him. 
had a moped accident, I think, when he was with the Chiefs and never was much of a, a pro, but I got to go with Percy Snow myself. And uh, for our last sprint spot, ESPN has a new seven-part series on Derek Jeter called The Captain. Looks pretty interesting, actually. They did one on Brady. They've done one on Jordan. Who should be next? I feel like they do on, like, Wayne Gretzky or something. I was thinking the same thing, like, got to go hockey, maybe. Hockey. Have they really... I don't know if they've really done anything on Tiger. I mean, Tiger has enough. Tiger's got the, the HBO channel. documentary. It's pretty yeah, good, actually. which is pretty good. Um, and he's got the he's got a thing on all his wins or whatever. But yeah, or maybe like a Jack Nicholas or somebody like that. I don't know. It's I, what if it was if it was a somebody of from one of your favorite teams, who would it be? Mm. Like Barry Sanders? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Barry Sanders or like... Ben Walsh. Alan Trammell, Lou Whitaker, or... Yeah, Rod, well, Rodman, but... He's yeah, they, did, they did a 30 Zeke, for 30 on Rodman. You know, yeah, 30, 30 for 30, I guess. And they, but, did a, they did the 30 for 30 on the Pistons. Bad but at the boy. same time, screw ESPN. I don't like ESPN, yeah, so... Don't pay for I don't know, them. but I might, watch, I might watch that one. All right, Ryan. Close us out. Uh, be sure to... Uh, Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five. Um, if you're listening on Apple Pod, Spotify, um, give us a, a like, thumbs down if you think we suck. Uh, give us five stars, four stars, three, two, one, whatever. Leave a comment. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Shout out to our sponsor, Team Andrews Realty. Um, and if you guys, if you know, if you um, would like to be a sponsor, or if anyone else you know would be interested, please let me or my pops here know uh, we'd love to have what's that them. website you said the the nudge the printing nudge. yeah really a couple good of stuff. fellow spartans i mean somebody that knows the people who run the nudge printing look yeah, it up they've, they've got, got some really incredible good stuff. stuff get a hold of them we'd love to do even just a trade sponsorship for them because they've got some not only sweet michigan state stuff but they have about 30 schools including some small schools here in michigan and they got central and western and they do yep. not have michigan um aptly so because they're michigan state people but um they keep getting people to add us very vintage type stuff. So if you're if you're aware of like forty seven, the hat company they and t shirts too, they've got some great stuff. It's the same like the I'm wearing a similar. It's a it's a golf brand, but it's like a Bushwood Caddy Day Championship Travis shirt now. Travis Matthew. It's like a kind of a softer cotton, real comfy. That's kind of the stuff they have. They got a lot of gruff smarty stuff, which is I'm a sucker for for sure. So shout out to them. So if anybody knows the Nudge Printing. Have them get a hold of us. Let's talk sponsorship. All right, and to follow up with what Ryan said, shout out to Team Andrews Realtors, our one and only sponsor, our presenting sponsor. They've been around since the beginning of the pod. This is number 81, by the way. Uh, we appreciate Jim, Donna, and their kids and all that their company um, does to support the show. They're great neighbors. They're great realtors. If you're in West Michigan in a still very white housing market before the interest rates get too high, look them up at Team Andrews. Com. Meantime, as Vince Lombardi once said, inappropriate to our bracket contest this week, the real glory is being knocked to your knees and then coming back. That's real glory. That's the essence of it.